Welcome back to UBC Speaks, a podcast that interviews UBC students, staff, and faculty about their sustainability initiatives on campus. I'm one of your hosts, Isabella Lee, and today I'm talking to Zoe Brown. Zoe is a second year student at Sauter, intending to possibly specialize in entrepreneurship with a concentration in sustainability. She spends her free time playing field hockey recreationally, and her favorite dish to cook is poke bowls. I'm excited to share her unique experiences with you, and I hope you enjoy the episode. We are here today with Zoe Brown, a second year student at UBC Sauter. Thank you for joining us today, and could you start with telling us a little bit about yourself? Where did you grow up, and what sparked your interest in sustainability? Yeah, it's great to be on the podcast today. Um, As you mentioned, I am in my second year at UBC, and I grew up in North Vancouver, and I feel like in my high school and elementary school over there, we actually talked quite a bit about sustainability when I was growing up, and where I really like kind of sparked an interest for it was during COVID, I was so bored. And so I just started upcycling random clothes that I had and making more art because I had more time. And I also wasn't able to go out and buy new materials anyways. So I was just using what I already had. Um, and yeah, I thought that was really fun. And I thought that making all these new things out of what already exists was really cool. And it was also really inspiring to see examples of how that's done in school as well. Mm-hmm. Perfect. That's interesting that your elementary school and high school had like a lot of sustainability initiatives because mine had virtually none. (laughs) Really? Because I feel like in every art class, we would always have this one project where like you have to bring a bunch of recycling to school and like make an art project. Okay, maybe. That might have been the school I was at. But one of our field, one of the field trips was literally like going to a garbage dump, which is like not great, but I guess they cared about the environment. Yeah, the only class... Like, elementary school, I didn't even, I don't even think I knew what, like, sustainability actually meant. But in high school, the only project that I can remember being kind of, like, sustainability-related was in biology class in, like, grade 11. Also during COVID, mm-hmm. I had to go into, like, a forest because it was COVID. So, like, that was the only place or, like, a park that was empty. And we just had to, like, go and identify, like, a lot of different species of, like, plants and ferns and learn about them and how they, like, grow and are impacted by our actions, which is kind of sustainability related. And that was like the only thing that our school had. That's so cool. I think like my very, very first encounter was, I think my mom bought this rug from Costco that was like made out of like a hundred plastic bottles. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was the coolest thing. I was like, there's no way this rug is made out of plastic (laughs) bottles. Like I want to make a rug out of plastic bottles. Um, Mm -hmm. Good thing I didn't try because it probably wouldn't have gone well, but. Maybe it'd be like a raft. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I just thought it was so cool. Yeah, that's super interesting. And so, Like you mentioned before, you have unique ways of upcycling clothes and tote bags. Could you explain a little bit more about the process of how you do that? Yeah, so basically what I do is block printing. And so I carve into a piece of lino, which is kind of like almost like an eraser material. And then after I roll on ink onto it and then press it onto different types of fabric. And so most of my designs that I make are on secondhand fabric just because The main reason why I did it was because it's cheaper and also because it's more environmentally friendly. Mm -hmm. But so every design is different and that's what I find really fun. 
And then by also printing on scrap fabric, I make patches. And so with those patches, I'm able to repair broken items of clothing and also alt alter items to make them more appealing. And yeah, I just find it really fun to find like discarded items and then turn them into something new. Mm -hmm. So that's mainly the process that I do. It's mostly just like a hobby for me. And then I ended up making way too many things. <laughs> and so I was like, hmm, maybe I should start selling them. And so I do a little bit of selling of my designs on the side, but... Mm -hmm. Haven't been really active right now because of school, but yeah. hopefully I'll start it up again. Where did you sell them? Like when you when you were active, and so on. Um, like I sold, I did a few. I participated in a few garage sales, and mm -hmm. I also sold on Etsy. Okay. So they yeah. like naturally like will have traction for that kind of thing, mm -hmm. and yeah, just to friends as well. Mm -hmm. And so. The line was it called Lionel? The yeah, thing? Lionel. Can, does, can you reuse that? So you exactly. just roll the ink. Yeah, Each yeah, time. so you roll the ink onto it, and then you can just, it's like a stamp, basically, okay. but um, you can get, like, fabric ink for it, so it, like, will stay after multiple washes okay. and stuff as well. Um, so I really liked that because, like, also, out of out of laziness, I'm like, I don't want to make an art piece over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. I would rather just carve it once, and then I can make, like, a bunch of them. I was like, that's so much more efficient, and so chose to do that. Cool. And did you just have, like, Lionel like lying around in your house like is that something I did take it from my high school art room oh <laughs> <laughs> but it was okay because I had paid like the AP course fees and so oh, okay. that I got access to like materials and stuff technically I shouldn't have them anymore but I still have some yeah but um yeah it was in my grade 12 art class uh, we had done like a lino project in grade 9 and then in grade 12 it was very self-directed and I was like oh my gosh I remember doing that and so then I started doing it more but at first, I was just using the designs for a project, and then I was like, wait, I could literally print this onto fabric. So it actually mm -hmm. started in my grade 12 art class when I was just messing around with different materials. I was like, wait, mm -hmm. I could make some cool clothes out of this. Yeah, that's super cool. And so something you also mentioned to me was that you have ways to upcycle used Amazon packages. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? Yes, exactly. Well... Um, a lot of my orders were done online, so I would have to ship things. And packaging is so expensive, and it's also just, like, really bad for the environment to buy all this plastic, and it's only going to be used once. And my family buys so many things off of Amazon, it's not even funny. But we have, like, a million Amazon packages lying around because we just, like, don't get rid of them. We keep them. And so I just started using them to package my own things. And at first I would just keep like the Amazon logo out and I wouldn't really care. But then I was starting to be like, what if I had like a little bit more like branding? Because an Amazon package doesn't look that appealing. So I started experimenting with cut up pack cutting up packages that were kind of like broken or like cut in half and then kind of taping them together to fit exactly what I had. So it's like using the resources wisely mm -hmm. and then another really easy thing I did was I would just inside out the plastic mailers and then it's like white so I, I would like draw little things on them as well so it's actually really simple and I had so many family and friends that had extra Amazon packages anyways mm -hmm. and so I just started using them for my own things as well yeah that's so cool that you could like turn the what are they, I think they're called poly mailers or yeah. something, and you can turn them inside out and then just be white. I exactly. never thought that you could do that, but that makes sense. Exactly. The paper ones are nicer. It's easier to just kind of cover up the Amazon logo with like your shipping label, mm -hmm. and it's also easy to reuse them because they're meant for that. They're designed that way now, but Amazon still uses quite a bit of plastic ones, uh, but it's super easy to inside out them and stuff and reuse them. So yeah, and then. That's so funny that you said you would like draw designs on them because that's one thing that I do too, but not with 
poly mailers, I did it with, because you know how you go shopping at like malls and they give you like a brown paper yeah. bag? And so I would take those brown paper bags and whenever I was like gifting something for someone, I would like draw like little designs onto the bag with like a Sharpie and I would like write like happy birthday or like oh Merry God. Christmas or something and it would like look like a festive bag. That's actually so like, cute. We would draw on no, it. No, I love but... a good brown paper bag for a gift. Yeah. But I have not drawn on one yet. That's actually so smart. And it looks nice. And then it looks like it just came like imagine. that. Yeah. <laughs> That's super cool. And then one thing specifically, since you are a UBC Sauter student, is what role do you think education plays in fostering a culture of sustainability among students? I think that... The main thing is that having awareness and knowledge of what's going on around you um, contributes to you being able to take action on that. So I feel like a lot of students aren't fully aware of different sustainable practices and things that are harmful for the environment. Like in my first year, I didn't know that many things about sustainability at all, but through different courses, I feel like I learned quite a bit more. And so mainly like if you know what's going on around you, then you know how you can do something differently and I feel like that's very basic, but again, like that's the truth. And I also think that um, sustainability related education is really interesting. Like I just find it really fascinating. And so I hope that other people also find it cool because it can genuinely just be something really fun to learn about and talk about. And so I think that just creates a more sustainable culture because people are like know about it and are able to talk about it as well. Mm -hmm. I agree. Like. There's already so many things that we've just discussed. Like, mm -hmm. there's, like, things about the Amazon or the printing that I didn't know before. And I, like, the resources that you use to, like, be able to carry those things out aren't as niche as a lot of people might think. Like, mm -hmm. they're things that could be lying around in your house or, like, something, like, at school that you have access to and you can just borrow it for some time, right? And I think the more that people learn about these different sustainable practices, mm -hmm. the more that becomes a kind of embedded in their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. Because when I was growing up too, like I said, I didn't have a lot of exposure to sustainability when I was in elementary school. But then once I started like high school, I, I wanted to learn more about it on my own. And so I took some like courses related to sustainability after high school as well. And I thought this is interesting. And like you said, there's so much to learn because it's not something that's like embedded in our curriculums at school right now. Right, mm -hmm. especially in high school and elementary school. It's still like you have math, English, um, science and stuff like that, but nothing really specific about sustainability. And mm -hmm. I think that's changing now, but in the past it wasn't like that. So I think it's super important to kind of get that exposure as well. Exactly. Like I feel like I genuinely don't know that much about sustainability. <laughs> like actually, like just thinking about it, I feel like I do a few things, but I don't feel like I know anything about it. Like mm -hmm. but hopefully yeah. we'll see newer courses and ways to learn about it because I just find it cool yeah I feel like that that feeling of not knowing anything is super common especially in sustainability because even if you talk to people who are like working in like sustainable industries or working in like consulting for state sustainability like for me I would think that they know like so much but they're also saying like oh yeah there's always different regulations like everything's always changing mm -hmm. and so they also feel like they always have to be learning new things which is super important because this field is like rapidly changing and developing. So I think it's something that a lot of people can relate to as well. Exactly. Yeah. And so do you think there are any sustainability related courses or programs at UBC that you would recommend to fellow students? 
Yes, I have a list of <laughs> things to go through that I would like to promote. Um, first of all, this isn't UBC related, but there is a sustainability scholarship done by Herbaland, which is like a company that makes like gummy vitamins, I think. Mm -hmm. And I think it runs every year, but it's basically making a video about how you integrate sustainability into your life. Um, and then that's all you send it in and then you, the best video gets um, a scholarship. Um, so I think they do that every year. So I highly recommend signing up for that if you're interested and it also is useful for university. Um, another thing is the CIRS building does a lot of sustainability related things. And so it's pretty easy to get involved in there. Um, I'm not involved personally, but I know people who are. And they also have the Food Hub Market, which is a student-run organization where you can get discounted groceries. I do a lot of grocery shopping there, and I just think it's a really cool organization, and they're trying to reduce food waste and also food insecurity. And then for courses, last year I took Conservation 127, which is Observing the Earth from Space. And I just thought it was such a cool class. A lot of people take it to get a good grade but I just found the content really interesting as well because they talk about actually like sustainability in space which I didn't even know was a thing like that's crazy to me how are we already like polluting space like how did that happen mm -hmm. but um it's really cool because it looks at like climate change from like a satellite view so you can like really see what's going on um, so I highly recommend that course if you are looking for an interesting elective. And then also next term, I'm going to be taking Design 230, which is called Sustainability by Design. I haven't taken it yet, so I don't actually know anything about it, but I heard it's good. Mm -hmm. um, but it talks about the interactions between human and natural urban systems um, using examples of successful sustainable design. So I just thought that sounded cool, so I signed up. Yeah, that's super cool. There's like... I think there's a lot of courses that are beginning to kind of integrate it throughout. Um, I know there's a lot of forestry-related courses in the for Faculty of Forestry that have some options for sustainability-related courses, and there's also upper-year mm -hmm. courses. So you can take it as an elective. If you are like a solder student, then you would need these kind of upper-year-level courses that aren't related to business, and I think that's something that you can use to learn more about sustainability and forestry has those upper year courses that don't need prerequisites which is super nice mm -hmm. because you know maybe you're like in second year and you're like oh I don't have any first or second year courses related to sustainability and everything else needs like first and second year prerequisites so I think checking out forestry would be a good option and yeah there's a lot of different options mm -hmm. here at UBC. Especially in the concentration course section there's so many second year courses about sustainability and they actually go towards a sustainability concentration, if that's something you're doing as well. Um, I didn't mention any of the solder-specific courses because I don't know that much about them and I haven't taken them yet. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> I know that there's a lot there as well in upper years relating to sustainability. Yeah, and solder has some pretty good sustainability profs like yeah. for those courses in the concentration. I know Tamar Milne is one of them. Shout out Tamar. <laughs> but yeah, definitely there's a lot of good profs, good courses at solder available in that concentration. Um, and for those who don't know what a concentration is, it's like a addition you can add on to your like degree and your major that you would finish in your third and your fourth year. And it's kind of like an extra thing that you can have. Yeah. And so another question that I had was, are there any specific sustainable companies that incorporate new technologies that you find particularly promising or innovative? 
Yes, I love talking about these as well. Um, one of my favorite companies that's doing sustainability related things is Freitag. I could be getting the name wrong, it's German, but they make bags out of truck tarps and seat belts from cars and trucks that have crashed in accidents or like at their end of their lifespan. And so their designs look so cool. Um, and every product is unique and they invest a lot in research for manufacturing and ways to like safely recycle those tarps. Um, so I think they're a really cool company and I don't think they have any locations in Canada, but they're everywhere in Europe. And then another one is Nomad Coffee, which is a coffee shop I like in North Vancouver. And they're actually North Van's first zero single use cup coffee shop. So you actually cannot get a single use coffee cup. You can either get your drink there or you get it to go. Um, so they've saved like over 60,000 cups. And I just thought that they're a pretty cool business because it shows that they've made that sacrifice to not offer single use cups, which might take away from a lot of customers that they have, but it still shows that their business model works and that there's still people who are going to them and they're being like, they're very successful as a coffee shop. So mm -hmm. making that sacrifice did not hinder their business performance. Mm -hmm. And I guess finally, um, chop value. I love seeing their different products. They make um, furniture out of chopsticks. If you're in first year in residence, you might see those bins where you put your chopsticks in the res in the dining halls. Um, they make furniture out of it. It's really cool. Definitely check it out. But yeah, those are a few of my favorites. Yeah, I've actually seen chop value in a lot of places recently. Like I know there was, I think, a new McDonald's that was opening in Calgary and they're, they're dining tables are made of like the chopsticks from Whoa. Chop Value. And then there's another place in downtown Vancouver. I forgot the name, but it's like the nice sushi place on Robson. Oh, okay. And so I think it's called Nori, but it's not the Nori on campus. Yeah. But it's the Nori downtown. And it's like the, when you walk in, there's like this really intricate looking like design out of wood and it's like if you look closely then it's like you can see it's like the chopsticks from chop value as well that's so cool because yeah. i remember hearing about them last year and i hear i remember hearing about oh like their first location where all the furniture is made out of chopsticks is opening soon mm -hmm. and so i guess multiple locations <laughs> have opened now so that's yeah. really sick that's super cool i have another question related to kind of ubc in general or you can talk specifically about soccer if you'd like but are there any specific policies or changes you would like to see implemented at UBC to enhance sustainability? Yeah, honestly, I think that UBC is doing a lot well. They're definitely taking a lot of action for sustainability. For example, there's a lot of green spaces. They prioritize sorting waste into the right place. And there's a lot of student involvement with sustainability. Um, I thought it was cool this year. I started biking to class. Um, and so UBC has like bike locks and that kind of thing but I did find that starting to bike around campus was a huge learning curve for me it was really hard to find resources to like fix a bike or like learn how to use it um they're they're there like there are so many resources like there's the UBC bike kitchen but I just find that for example like the bike locks it's like a monthly subscription fee and so I just found that that was kind of inaccessible to students who might want to start biking to school I think that the resources could be more available mm -hmm. but they they're definitely there um one thing that i do love talking about is packaging and i think that in every place like within solder within ubc and like beyond there's so much different packaging waste um from purchasing decisions and so i think that 
in terms of policies, I think that having policies about um, how things are packaged isn't the only solution. I think as consumers, we need to be more intentional with how we consume. And so I think just having more education and resources around learning like different ways to change your consumption to use less packaging. Um, and yeah, also we should get more discounts for bringing our own mugs. Because <laughs> I sometimes will bring my own mug to like a cafe and I've carried it all around like all day in my bag. And then I get there and it's like, oh, it's the same price. Like I didn't get a discount for bringing my mug. It's like, yeah. why do it then? Um, I know there used to be like a single use cup fee, but I heard that it was pretty ineffective because people just continued to buy it. Like, they're yeah. like oh, it's just another fee. Like mm -hmm. they didn't change their behaviors. But I think that incentivizing like sustainable practices with like a reward is going to be more effective um there's probably research on that i don't know if i'm right but for me personally i would bring my mug more if we got that little discount yeah definitely i think for people at solder i'm sure everyone like goes to tim hortons mm -hmm. and get that i think it's 15 cents per cup that you oh, use yeah. and like when i first noticed it i was like oh they're charging for cups now. I'll I'll bring my reusable mug. Yeah. But then now, like you said, it's like kind of an inconvenience to carry around a mug, and you're like it's taking up space in your bag, mm -hmm. especially like if you have to commute to school, and then you don't know if you're gonna get a drink or not. So then having the discounts, I think, would be really cool because then it kind of incentivizes people instead of just like putting a fee that most people will just end up treating like as a tax almost like exactly it's just part of their consumption because the fee isn't really discussed it just kind of shows up on the receipt so people don't even like know they're paying for it until they pay for it and they're like mm -hmm. oh too late now but another fun fact about like coffee cups though is that i think the cus coffee machine has started working a lot more now so go use it yeah but I don't know if it works, so <laughs> yeah. Apparently, there's... there's an Instagram account that gives updates. On yes, that. yeah. You requested me on it. <laughs> me too. Me too. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Now I know the status. Maybe I'll bring my mug more. Like, yeah. That was like actually, I bought uh, a new mug because my mug had broke right before we got the new machine, and so then I was like, oh, well, there's a new machine. Like, I I'll get a new mug. But then now, like, the machine never works, and exactly. now I just use the or, mug like, the for, like, hot water. Or, yeah. like, the, the milk needs to be refilled, so it doesn't want to make you anything. <laughs> and then, like, there's only decaf. Yeah. So, hopefully... Hey, we're getting there. Yeah, we're it's getting progress. There. Last year, didn't work at all. This year, I can sometimes get a coffee. <laughs> That's perfect. And so, the last question I had was, are there any last pieces of advice you would like to share with our audience? I think so. I did discuss a few of them briefly throughout the podcast, but I guess like the overarching thing is that as consumers, we have a lot of power over our decisions and the products we buy and how we interact with them. So it's often worth that extra effort or sacrifice to make a more sustainable choice. Even if it mildly inconveniences you right now, it'll be way more beneficial in the long run. And once you get into these habits, it becomes way more easier to make those decisions. And also, Looking at sustainable stuff is also really cool. Like seeing how people are making new products out of old things, I just find it's really fascinating. So if you like that too, it could just be a really cool thing to look at and it's also get ideas from it too. So stay curious, I guess. Perfect. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast today.